0: First John chapter five and verse thirteen. So take one finger, put it in first John chapter five and verse thirteen, and then put your finger in that scripture. And then turn to Galatians chapter two, and uh, we'll beginning in verse eight here in just a little while. And so we're going to be looking uh, at those two texts of scripture. Last week I talked about uh, 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 of having fellowship with God, and how can we know that we know that uh, we know that we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is because we have fellowship with Him. Amen. And so we're going to do these series of messages through the Book of First John, and as we do these series of messages through the book of First John it is for the distinct purpose of knowing that we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have that personal relationship with him and so again I ask you this morning do you know that you know that you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and friends if you're a child of God if you're a born again believer in Jesus Christ you ought to know Amen. you ought to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior now today uh, is Miss Beverly's birthday. We want to wish her a very happy birthday. And so, yes, I just called you out in front of everybody. And so happy birthday to Miss Beverly. It's also my youngest daughter's birthday. 25 years ago today, she was born. And you know, 25 years ago today, I was a lost sinner, undone, bound for hell. I was headed straight to hell 25 years ago today. And 25 years ago, not only was my daughter born, and I'm not even sure if I've ever told my wife this story, but I'm going to tell you this story Uh, And and tell her this story in front of you this morning. But 25 years ago, as she was born, she she was born, she was delivered, uh, and and, uh, uh, my my wife was there in the hospital. And so I was going to run home and go pick up a few things, run home, and run to the house. And at that time, I had very little sense, and so at that time, there there was only one way I drove, and that way I drove was wide open. Amen. I mean, it it was pedal to the metal, wide open. And so uh, as my daughter was born. I was on my way home, and I got in my car, and I, I had my hot rod Mustang, and so I thought I was Mr. Cool. I got behind the wheel, and I got behind this gravel truck, right? And if, you're, if your mind is set on going wide open, you don't want to get behind the gravel truck. That's what you, you know, you dread seeing a gravel truck, and so foolishly, I decided, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chance it, and so I floored it to get around that gravel truck, and when I floored it, I got about halfway. Halfway around him, then all of a sudden I lost traction, and my car started going this way. And so as I passed the the, the, the driver's side door of his truck, we were almost eye to eye, and he was looking at me. He looked just as scared as I did. And so finally, praise God, I ended up getting it right and getting the car straightened out back, uh, again. And you know, did a whole lot of this on, on the in the process of it, but ended up getting it straight. And so my uh, my, my uh, I almost had a heart attack, but almost killed myself with a gravel truck as well. Now, I say that in humor, but the reality is, as if that did kill me at that time, I have no doubt whatsoever that I'd be in hell today. I have absolutely no doubt whatsoever that I would be in hell for all eternity. But you know what? I also have absolutely no doubt whatsoever that if I were to die today, right here, right now, this very moment, that I would spend eternity with Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior, in glory forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen? And so when we begin to understand and we begin to think about how important this issue is, is that do you know that you know that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? It's an extraordinarily important issue. It is of the utmost value and of the utmost importance that we understand. Again, why are we talking about this? Because I've had so many folks ask me, uh, you know, how can I know? How can I know for sure? Through the revival last week, I've had individuals ask me since I've been the pastor here. I've had several folks ask me. And so uh, through the course of me being a pastor for the past uh, 20 plus years, that is the number one question that I get asked time and time again. How can I know for sure that I'm truly saved, that I am genuinely saved? And so that's why we're going to look through the book of 1 John, because the book of 1 John was written, that we can know that we have salvation. And so what we're going to do, we're going to spend the next several weeks looking at the evidence of salvation. Evidence. Is there evidence of your salvation? There ought to be evidence of your salvation. Now, I don't know who coined this phrase, but I've heard a whole lot of different people say it. You know, if Christianity was all of a sudden outlawed, wouldn't there be enough evidence to convict you? Amen. Would there be enough evidence within your life to where people can look at you and say that's a child of God that is a born again believer in Jesus Christ is that evidence within your life and now we're not looking at what the world has to say but looking at the biblical evidence of whether or not somebody is truly a born again believer in Jesus Christ and is there biblical evidence of whether or not somebody is saved and yes there is that is the fruit that comes forth out of the life of an individual who is truly a born again believer in Jesus Christ. So here it is that we come to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, and it says this right here, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. These things, what things are these things? It's the book of 1 John. Amen. It's the book that we're going to spend the next several weeks in looking at and looking uh, in depth at and looking at the very specific things where the apostle John says, these things I have written to you. So these particular things he says that I have written to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. And like I said last week, there are seven statements right here within the book of first John, seven statements that said by this, we know right now and I encourage you to go through the 1st John, study it, look at it and, and examine it and find for yourself what are those things that were uh, that the Apostle John says, these things uh, we should know. And so the, the very first one I'm going to give to you, 1st John chapter 2 and verse 3, he says, by this we know. All right, so we look back at 1st John chapter 5 and verse 13. He says, I write these things so that you may, may know. And then in 1st John, John chapter two and verse three, he says, "By this we know, all right. By this we know what. By this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments." So, First John chapter five and verse th- thirteen, he says, "These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life." And then, in First John chapter two and verse three, he says, "By this we know. By this we know what that we." We have come to know Him. By this we know that we have eternal life. By this we know that we are truly saved. By this we know that we are genuinely born again, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, bound for glory forevermore. Amen? And that is a fruit right there of what we find. That is one of the fruit. We're going to look at that next week, that text of Scripture next week, and see what that is all about. But by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Amen? Amen? If we keep his commandments, if we keep the commandments of Jesus Christ, this is fruit. This is evidence, right? It's evidence against us or evidence towards us that we are truly born again believers in Jesus Christ because we're keeping the commandments of Jesus Christ. We're not saying that it means nothing. We're not casting it to the side as no account. We're not saying that it's worthless or it's not worth pursuing, but the commandments of Jesus Christ again we're going to look at what those are next week but the commandments of Jesus Christ is something that I need to strive towards something that I need to apply with in my life something that I need to live in accordance to by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments if we have truly come to know him if we're truly born again Now friends, before we dive too deep into this, I want you to understand this is the evidence of salvation. This is by no means the means of salvation. Amen? It is the evidence of salvation. It is the proof of salvation. It is the fruit that has come forth or does come forth out of the Christian that is truly born again that says, you know, I'm going to live this way. I have the desire within me. Do we do it perfectly? No. Does every Everybody always walk in it no but there is something within me that says you know what this is the way i ought to live this is the way i ought to act this is the way i ought to conduct myself this is what i need to strive for yes every christian backslides yes every christian slip and they're not always where they ought to be but there's always the voice of the spirit of god within them because they have come to know him that says that you need you know you're not where you ought to be. You need to get right back where you ought to be. Amen? And so when we begin to look at this and begin to understand, you know, that's pretty clear within Scripture. By this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Again, that's the very purpose that the Apostle John wrote of the book of 1 John in the first place. These things I have written to you, 1 John 5 13, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. By the way, I want you to do something through this series of messages. There's seven of these, so there's going to be at least seven more weeks, maybe more, but at least seven more weeks, so this is something I want you to do. I want you to memorize John chapter 5 and verse 13. Amen? I want you to memorize that because at the end of this we're all going to say it together. Amen? Everybody, of us is going to say it together. So hide God's word in your heart that you might not sin against him. But again let me emphasize the fact that this is the evidence of salvation not the means of salvation. And so before we begin to look at the evidence of salvation we need to understand the means of salvation. And what is the means of salvation? The means of salvation we find in Ephesians chapter 2 beginning in verse 8. The means of salvation uh, that we find very clearly written down uh, within the Word of God, and we find that the means of salvation is very clearly faith and faith alone. Faith and faith alone. In fact, what did John say in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13? He said, these things I have written to those who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that we may know that we have eternal life. And so he says we need to believe in Jesus Christ. It's not by working out these things and living this certain way and and, and walking this way, because the fact is, apart from Jesus Christ being at work within our life, we can't do those things anyway. Amen? So there's no possible way we're going to achieve that on our own. It is only by knowing Jesus Christ, as I talked about last week, and having fellowship with Jesus Christ. And if Jesus is within you, he's working in you and he's moving you. He's taking out the junk. He's cleaning out all those closets full of junk that have been sitting up there. Some of that junk, you know, how many times did you do a spring cleaning? maybe it's been a decade since you've done a spring cleaning right and all of a sudden you're doing a spring cleaning and you say well I didn't even remember that in there amen how many of you done that maybe we have junk within our lives junk within our spirit we say that I didn't even remember that was in there right I don't even remember that but Jesus cleans it out amen but not only does he clean it out he remodels amen and he brings in the good stuff he brings in the stuff that ought to be there and so as we begin to understand that faith is, or or, or salvation is by faith. I write these things unto those who believe in the name of the Son of God. So Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 tells us this, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, that is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So it is an act of faith, it is an act of grace on God's part. It is an act of faith on our part and it is not at all in any way, shape, or form at all an act of works on our part. So when we look at the evidence of salvation and say this is the evidence of whether or not somebody is truly born again, that's simply the fruit that is producing from them, that is the evidence that they're truly born again, not the means of salvation. The means of salvation is the grace of God and us receiving the grace of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Not as a result of works least any man should boast. We can't say, oh, I've kept the commandments of God. I've kept the commandments of Jesus Christ. Look at me. Look how righteous I am. Look how holy I am. Look what a mighty man of God I am. Look what a mighty woman of God that I am. The Apostle Paul said the law taught him the very fact that he was guilty of coveting. Amen? That he was guilty of coveting. The mighty man of God, the Apostle Paul, was guilty of breaking the law of God. Amen? And guess what? Every single one of us are guilty of breaking the law of God. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In fact, the Apostle James tells us if we've stumbled on one part of the law, we're guilty of breaking all of it. Amen? We're adulterers, we're murderers, we're thieves. We're guilty of breaking all of it. All of the above. So when we begin to understand it is by grace and only by grace and it is through faith and only through faith and it is not of works, no works. Your baptism doesn't save you. Your church membership doesn't save you. Being a good person doesn't save you. In fact, the Bible is extraordinarily clear. It says that there's no one who's good, not even one. No one, even the Pharisees who strived, For righteousness within their lives, Jesus said they were sons of hell. They brood of vipers. Like whitewashed tombs. Look nice and pretty on the outside, but they're full of dead men's bones on the inside. Amen? That's what our righteousness gets us. So as we look at this and we begin to understand, That it is the product of grace, the result of faith. In what Jesus Christ has done on the cross of Calvary for us, that God demonstrated his own love towards us, or God commendeth his own love towards us, that while we were yet still sinners, why was it while we were yet still sinners is because there's nothing we could do about our sinful state, but God commendeth his own love towards us, that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Because there's no other means of salvation other than Jesus Christ, by him and by him alone. So what then happens? What happens is once you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you're redeemed. Now what does that mean? We we understand what the word redeemed means, right? It it, it means bought. It means purchased, right? Right? And so we have been redeemed by what? By the blood of Jesus Christ. We have been redeemed. We have been bought. We have been purchased. We've been bought with a price. The Word of God tells us that. So we've been bought with a price. We've been purchased. We've been redeemed. You know what that means? That means we are no longer ours. We are now His. Amen? I'm no longer mine. You're no longer yours. We are now his. We have been bought with a price. We've been redeemed. We've been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. You no longer belong to you. Christians are always walking around saying, Oh, what about me? What about you? There is no you in the kingdom of God. There's only him. Amen. It's all about Jesus and none about us. At all, it never has been, and it never will be. Now, God loves us, and He does care about us personally, and He does want to bless us personally. But in the whole scheme of things, it's not about you. It's all about Him. You've been bought. You've been purchased. You've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You're no longer yours. You are now His. And you know the amazing thing about that, that now that you're His, now that you belong to him and you no longer belong to you, he can do with you whatever he wants to. Because you're his. Amen? I had a Mustang. It was a real rare Mustang. It was one of them. I can't remember the exact number, but I had a Marty report on it, a report that comes from four. It was less than 200 of those particular Mustangs made, very rare Mustang. And I was in the process of restoring it, and then I ended up getting sick, so I had to sell it. And what made the Mustang rare was the motor inside of it. It was the motor. Everything else about it was typical Mustang, right? But it was the motor that made that particular Mustang rare, and so I sold that Mustang. I was in the process of restoring it. I had just about everything done. I was in the process of putting it back together and had everything fixed up, had everything done, and hadn't touched the motor or, or anything to the drivetrain yet, just left that alone and just going to do that last. That was going to be the crown jewel that was going to go in there at the very last. I ended up getting sick, didn't even touch it yet, it's still sitting in the same spot it was sitting when I pulled it out, just kind of sitting over there in the corner, waiting for the day when I was going to begin tinkering with it. And so that that day never did come. And so somebody came and they bought that Mustang from me. it, came all the way from South Carolina uh, on a flatbed trailer and picked that up, and put it on a put it on that flatbed trailer, hauled it all the way back over to South Carolina. And so uh, we were mutual friends on a uh, on a uh, internet forum, and so we're. Uh, you know, I was able to keep up with what he was doing and and, and able to keep up with uh, the progress of the Mustang. And you know what he decided to do? Not put that rare motor in that car that made that car special, but he put a different motor. He put a modern motor in it. And it ate me up. (laughs) I've got to be honest with you. That's what made the car special. And all kinds of folks on that site started writing me and, and, and fussing. How dare you sell that car to that guy? Well he said he was going to put that motor in it and, you know, and he told me he was going to keep it all original, but you know what? It's his car. He gave me the money that I was asking for. It. I signed the title, and it, he he put the title in his name. The car now belongs to him. He can do whatever he wants. He could put a he he, he could put a Volkswagen motor in it if he wants to. He can do whatever he wants. It's his car. Amen. It belongs to Him. So therefore, He has the right to do whatever He wants to do. And I don't have any right to have any say-so in it whatsoever because it doesn't belong to me anymore. It belongs to Him. Guess what? You belong to Jesus Christ if you're truly born again. And He has the right to do in you whatever He pleases because you belong to Him. You don't belong to you. Amen? And once you come under the ownership of Jesus Christ, I want you to understand, once you're saved by faith, we no longer belong to ourselves. We belong to Jesus. So often we look at Ephesians 2, 8, 9 for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourself but as a gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. And we stop it right there. We say we're saved by faith through grace, period. End of story. No, that's not the end of the story. That's just the very beginning of the story. And praise God for the beginning of the story. But the continuation of the story is in chapter uh, 2 and verse 10. The very next verse, it says, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. So we're His workmanship we belong to Jesus Christ we've been bought we've been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ now we're his workmanship and since we're his workmanship he's going to do in us what he so chooses what he pleases because we don't belong to us anymore we belong to him but for the purpose is that we should walk in them we should walk in them amen We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Listen, if you're a child of God, if you're bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, if you're truly born again, God's at work in you. Amen? You're not sitting on the shelf somewhere. You know, sitting in a barn somewhere, boy, that that, that eats me up. People have these classic cars and they're sitting in a barn somewhere and they'll say, well, I'll get to it one day. And I'm like, no, you won't. (laughs) Your grandchild's going to end up with that car or the barn's going to fall in on top of it or whatever, right? Oh, I'll get to it one day. No, you won't. Maybe you will. But the likelihood is you won't right so we're not sitting we're not sitting in a barn somewhere we're not sitting on a shelf somewhere we are works in progress and god is at work within us philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 for i'm confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of christ jesus not only are you a work in progress, but one of these days you're going to be a finished pro- uh, work and you're going to be a perfected work because Jesus is at work in you. Amen? Now, I've tinkered with cars and I've fooled with cars and I've done the best I could do with cars throughout, throughout my life. I'm not really able to do it. I still get the kind of the itch for it and come across the car and... Facebook or Craigslist or whatever and I kind of show my wife I say, what do you think about this and She said don't even think about it <laughs> So we we just kind of move on right not really able to do it anymore, but then I look at the masters of it Folks like unless you're in the cars. You might not know who he is, but folks like Chip Foose I mean, there's a master they, they, what they do is a masterpiece Everything they do is just going to be to utter perfection, and you look at it. you're like, "How in the world do they even do that?" But this is God that we're talking about, not a human being, at work within you, far greater than any earthly masterpiece or any earthly wonder. Philippians two thirteen says so. Then, my beloved brethren, uh, just as you always uh, obeyed, not in my presence only, but now all much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What do you mean work out your salvation with fear and trembling? It, it, and then the Bible, Didn't we just read that uh, we're saved by grace through faith? So why does the Bible now say work out your salvation with fear and trembling? Well, if you continue to read, it'll tell you it says for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So God is at work in you, pushing you, motivating you, encouraging you, giving you every tool that you need to to have in the process of the whole scheme of things. And so now work it out. (laughs) Amen? Get busy doing the very things that God has called you to do, regardless of what it is. So we understand that When we belong to Jesus, He's at work in us. He's at work in you. He's active within your life. He's not an absentee father that you hear from every five years, every ten years that you might get a letter from during Christmas, maybe a card or maybe not. But He's active. He's busy. He's participating in your life, shaping you and molding you to be better. Amen? And we know that he's there because he's active. If he's not active, Jesus said in John chapter 15 and verse 2, he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. So the branches that are bearing fruit, he makes them (laughs) better. The branches that aren't bearing fruit, what does he do? He takes them away. Where does he take them away to? John 15, 6. And if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and he gathers them up and casts them into the fire and they are burned. Why is that? Because they don't belong to him. They're not in him. They're not a part of Him. So, when we understand this, we recognize this if we're truly saved, if we're truly born again, God is at work within our life. Amen? So, this gives us the understanding of two things. If God is at work within your life, that means there's still work to be done. Amen? You're not perfected yet. In fact, if we're all honest, we all have a long way to go. So it's not about being a perfect Christian. Friends, there's no such thing as a perfect Christian. There never has been a perfect Christian, and there never will be a perfect Christian. Jesus is the only perfect man that walked the face of this earth. And the more perfect we think we are, the more full of pride we are, and we don't realize how far away from God we truly are. Amen? So if God is at work within your life, that means that there's work to be done. And praise God, he's getting after it. Amen? But it also means that if God is not at work within your life, God is not pruning you. God is not shaping you. The says we're the clay, he's the potter. Hey, he's not forming you. That means you don't belong to him. God doesn't set any of his children up on a shelf to be neglected I'm not a one. so how can I know that I know that I know that I have everlasting life that I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior because he's at work within my life? so you remember when you were you were slipping I mean you were at, at one time you were real on fire for the Lord. I mean you were just sold out for Jesus and then you started slipping off the path. And then as you started slipping off the path, then, then then you just felt a tugging at your heart, a pulling at your heart, say, you know you shouldn't be there, you know you ought to get back to where you once were, you know you shouldn't be going that direction, you know you ought to get back on the path, and and, and it just doesn't leave you alone, right? That's that still, small voice of God at work within your life. That loving voice. And yes, God chastised those of whom he loves because he loves us, and sometimes that heavy-handed voice. I get thrown in the belly of a whale or something. Amen? The ultimate purpose is to get back where you ought to be in the first place. <laughs> but you can't look back at your life and say, you know, I really don't recognize God's hand at work in my life ever. Just kind of done my own thing, my own way, hadn't really worried about the things of God. Yeah, I respect them. I believe there's a God. You know, the Bible says the demons believe that God is one and they tremble. But are you his child? If so, I promise you, he's at work in your life. May not be that big, loud thundering voice and those great big miracles taking place every time you turn around. But that still small voice will be there. Speaking, moving, motivating, encouraging, and yes, even rebuking. Amen? So as our praise team makes their way up this direction, everybody stand. Can you say today that that is your walk, that's your testimony? I'm not asking you if you're perfect. I'm not asking you if you have it all worked out, because you don't. I already know the answer to that. Amen? You don't. But is God working in you? One of those ways he might be working in you today right here, right now, today, this very moment, is God speaking to your heart saying, you're not my child but I want you to be because I love you, I died for you would you come to me today receive me into your life to be your lord and to be your savior today would you do that be honest with god don't it, it does no one any good to lie to him to lie to us to walk a life of pretending when you know the truth inside come today and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior get that absolute assurance that if you were to die today you were to spend eternity with Jesus Christ forever and ever would you come right now